the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN, Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. You know, that's what the world wants. They don't feel comfortable with us anymore. They'd like us to return to our old selves. They would like us to be the way we used to be. In fact, that's why many of you have, who have unsaved family members uh, have, have problems because they would love to pull you away from Christ. And if they don't verbalize it, what they're thinking is, why did you have to become a religious nut? Why did you have to become a religious fanatic? I liked you the way you were, self-centered, sinful, and not interested in the things of God. I liked you the old way. Why don't you go back to your old self, the person that I felt comfortable with? And if they could, if they had the power, they would pull you away from Christ. But they don't. In fact, I have a pastor friend whose family completely disowned him when he came to Christ. They said that if he didn't drop that foolishness and come back into their lifestyle, they would never speak to him again. My friend said that they were good to their word. He's never heard from any of them in the 45 or so years since then. That's a pretty extreme example of the kind of pressure our old unsaved friends will apply. But the pressure is always there. And then there's our own sinful tendencies trying to pull us away from Jesus. On top of that, Satan is orchestrating the whole thing and even personally trying to influence us back toward the abyss. So it's a good thing God is on our side, right? Welcome to Verse by Verse a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff, the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel at Clearwater, Florida. Our study is about God's sovereignty and our security, and our text is Romans chapter 8. In verses 29 and 30, Paul said something amazing. He said, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Isn't that something? Our glorification is so certain that Paul described it in the past tense. It's as good as done, even though we might not feel like it at the moment. And then he went on in verse 31 to say, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? Here's Pastor Steve now to help us think about how we should respond to this fabulous promise from God. In light of all that we've seen concerning the promise of our security, the purpose of our security, and the process of of our security, what should be our verbal response to this doctrine of the security of the believer? What should we say? Now, that's a very relevant question. When presented with the truth of the security of the believer, what should we say? Not what should we do, what shall we say to these things? Now before we see what we should say, let me tell you what a lot of believers say. And believe me, there are a lot of Christians who say this. What shall we say to these things? 
Well, here's what some say. God can take back your salvation if you sin too much. There are some people who say that. There are others who say you can stop believing and you can forfeit your salvation if you stop believing. It's all predicated on faith and if you stop believing, then God will take it back or you can give it back. That's what some people say. Others say Satan can make you lose your salvation. He's after you. And he is like a roaring lion. If he gets hold of you, you're gone. You can't stand up against him. He can pluck you out of God's hand. There are others who say you can fall from grace. You can fall from grace, they say. And still others say, ah, a believer can go all of his life and then apostatize. He, could, he can abandon the faith. And he can lose it. Now, most believers who would make statements like these, uh, in my opinion, I don't think they've ever done a serious study of eternal security, and especially Romans chapter 8. Now, in many cases, that's probably not true. But there are many who make statements like that, and they have simply heard this taught, and they have never really delved into the Word of God themselves. But we have. We've been studying Romans, and we've been camping in Romans chapter 8. And if you were here for the Bible conference, you heard Dr. Strauss give you a double dosage of what we've been going over. So we, above all people, have heard and studied the word of God. What shall we, who have studied Romans chapter 8, say to these things concerning the security of a believer? I'll tell you what we ought to say. We ought to say what Paul says at the end of verse 31. If God is for us, who is against us? That's what we ought to say. If God is for us, who is against us? I, I love this verse. I love all the word of God, but there are certain verses that really stick with me. You know why I love this verse so much? Because it tells us that the believer has a, a spiritual super invincibility about him. In a sense, we're spiritual supermen and superwomen. Uh, nothing can penetrate us. The verse is saying this. You see at the beginning it says, if God is for us, it really ought to be translated since. It's not a question of doubt. Since God is for us, or if God is for us, and he certainly is, that's the thought there, then no one can ever rob us of the destiny of heaven. He's not talking in context about, about other things. He's talking about the destiny of heaven. If God is for us, and he certainly is, then who can ever rob us of the destiny of heaven? The answer is no one. No one can. Now, this is a problem people have with eternal security, and I'll tell you the way it really is. This is a problem of protection. If you're taking notes, that would be a good way to, to put a heading on this. It is the problem of protection. Is God strong enough to protect us from those who would try to pull us away from Christ? Now, many people have difficulties with that. They do not believe God is strong enough. Theologically, they may say he's strong enough, but practically speaking, they really don't believe God is strong enough. It's the problem with the power of God. The problem is not with eternal security at all. It is the problem with the power of God. In essence, the question is this that Paul is posing. Is anyone in the universe stronger than God so that they can frustrate the very purpose of God in choosing us to be glorified? That is really the, the thought here. Is there any power in the universe strong enough to do that? No. No. In fact, Paul's going to give the remainder of this chapter over to things like that. Who's going to bring a charge against us? Uh, who's the one who condemns? Paul says, I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principality, nor anything can, can separate us from the love of Christ. Now, there are individuals who would like to 
have you lose your salvation. You know that? There are some individuals who would love to have you the way you used to be. If they could, they would tear you away from Christ. Had Paul simply asked the question, who is against us, we could have given him a number of answers, right? You want to know who's against you? That if they had their power, the power to do this, they would, they would cause you and they would cause me to lose salvation. Who's against us? The world is against us. Never forget that. The world is against you. They may smile at you. They may be friendly at times to you. But basically, they are against you. If they are not against you in terms of you understanding that they're against you, if it's not clear, uh, perhaps it's because you're not living a godly testimony out before them and they're not sure where you stand. But once they know where you stand, then they'll be against you. Will you turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 15? In John 15, the Lord Jesus is telling the disciples that the world is against them. He doesn't want them to be blown away when he, when he goes to heaven and they're all of a sudden in the midst of this world. And he doesn't want them to think that just because they've been given so many wonderful promises about heaven and the Holy Spirit coming, and he says, I'll not leave you orphans. He doesn't want them thinking, oh, it's going to be a piece of cake. The church age is going to be fine. So Jesus begins to tell them the world is going to hate you. And he says in verse 18, if the world hates you, once again, that word if is the same thing since the world hates you. If the world hates you, and it most certainly does, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. You want to understand why they hate you? It's because they hated me. It's not anything new. And I'm not going to be here. You're going to be here. So they're going to vent their frustration out on you. But if, he says in verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love you. The world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Now, what is he saying here? You know, one reason that the world hates us is because in accepting Christ, we have rejected their value system. We have rejected them. We have rejected their morals, their goals, their aspirations, their perspectives. It's sort of like switching churches. People feel like you're rejecting their church if you go somewhere else. Well, the world feels like we're rejecting their system if we go somewhere else and we turn to Christ. And the truth of the matter is we are rejecting their system. That's what repentance is all about. We have turned our backs on their system. We don't want to be a part of it anymore. And we're talking about the evil system. And they would like nothing better than to bring us back into that system. You know, that's what the world wants. They don't feel comfortable with us anymore. They'd like us to return to our old selves. They would like us to be the way we used to be. In fact, that's why many of you have, who have unsaved family members uh, have, have problems because they would love to pull you away from Christ. And if they don't verbalize it, what they're thinking is, why did you have to become a religious nut? Why did you have to become a religious fanatic? I liked you the way you were, self-centered, sinful, and not interested in the things of God. I liked you the old way. Why don't you go back to your old self, the person that I felt comfortable with? And if they could, if they had the power, they would pull you away from Christ. But they don't. And there are also secular educators and philosophers who would like to destroy our faith and lead us back to their self-centered view of life. So who is against us? The world is against us, but not only the world, the flesh is against us too. We're our own worst enemies, right? If your flesh had the power to do 
So the flesh would move you away from Christ. It would turn you away from Christ. In fact, Romans chapter 7, Paul is, is saying that I have this struggle, this internal struggle. My flesh always wants to pull me away from Christ. But the new nature always pulls me back to Christ. And I have this internal struggle. So the flesh. You ever sing that song, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it far from the God I love? Sure, all of us are prone to wander. All of us would, in one sense, if we could, tear ourselves away from Christ, but we can't. We really can't. Not totally. So not only is the world against us, the flesh against us, but Satan is against us. And we know that, don't we? We who know Christ struggle daily with, with Satan. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and really demonic forces. 1 Peter 5.8 says that the devil, like a roaring lion, seeks to devour us. That's his desire. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31, Jesus turned to Peter and he said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I pray for you that your faith fail not. Satan would love to do that. How about Job? The whole book of Job. Satan comes before God and says, let me at him. And he'll deny you. You see, Satan is against us. And all the false teachers and the cults and the demonic forces are all a part of Satan's opposition to us. I'll never forget, right after I came to know Christ as, as my Savior, I was meeting with uh, some friends, the fellow who really led me to the Lord, and we were uh, in, his, uh, in his apartment, and who would come knocking on a door but the cult? Jehovah's Witness, there to teach us the truth, so they said about the kingdom. Well, that wasn't by accident. Satan, if he could, would pull everyone here apart from Christ. So we have the world, the flesh, and the devil that stand against us, but in spite of the fact that they would love to sever our relationship with the Lord Jesus, they can't. They cannot do it. Why? Because God is for us. That's what Romans chapter 8 says. God is for us. And since he is for us, then it really doesn't matter who's against us, right? I mean, it really doesn't matter that the flesh is against you. It really doesn't matter that Satan is against you. It really doesn't matter that your family members are against you or your relatives are against you or your friends are against you or anyone in the world is against you because the strength of any adversary is utter weakness compared to the omnipotence of God. You could really, I suppose, paraphrase Romans 8.31 by saying, if God is for us, who cares who's against us? It really doesn't matter who's against us. God is on our side. And he's protecting us from every enemy of ours. So it doesn't matter who tries to grab you away from the Savior. It really doesn't matter. In fact, and it will happen. And it is happening. We don't see the, the spiritual battle going on, the warfare going on. They cannot take you away from Christ because they aren't as powerful as God. And it's as simple as that. Let me show you a great passage of Scripture. John chapter 10. I preached on John chapter 10, but I think we need to see what we're really dealing with here. And maybe this is all for some of you, but for some it's new. And you need, to, you need to be affirmed in this, and you need to be grounded in this. You see, it's really a problem. Can Christ keep us? Is he powerful enough to keep us? Keep us, protect us, guard us, the same concept. John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. 
And, and he doesn't mean I know about them. Obviously, he knows about everybody. It means I have an intimate relationship with them. I have intimacy with them. I know them in a personal way. And they follow me. And I give eternal life to them. And what? They shall never perish. Now, how could he say they'll never perish? No one shall snatch them out of my hands. You know why we'll never perish? Because we're in his hands. No one. In fact, in the original language, it does not say no man, because someone will come out, ah, Satan can do it, because he's not a man. No, it says no one, and that means yourself included. You can't take yourself out of his hand. If you could, then you're more powerful than his hand. And his hand speaks of his strength. And if you think that's, that's not good enough, look at verse 29. My Father who has given them to me, divine sovereignty, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. Not only are you in Christ's hand, but you're in the Father's hand. That's double security. We don't just believe in the security of the believer. We believe in the double security of the believer. What a precious, precious truth. So we're kept by him. How about Jude? Last book before Revelation, Jude. Verse 1, Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are the called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. Kept for what? Kept for eternity, for Christ. And he opens with that and he closes with that in verse 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He doesn't mean that he's able to keep us from ever sinning, but from stumbling to the point that we'll never stand before him glorified and in his presence, because he says, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. He's able to keep you stumbling from ever losing your salvation. And not only is he able to do it, he does it. How about 1 Peter, chapter 3, or chapter 1, rather, verses 3 through 6. Peter is talking to a people who are suffering, a people who had to wonder if they could keep their salvation all the way through this intense persecution. And he writes right at the beginning of his letter, verse Three, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Okay, you say, wonderful, but could I lose it? No, verse 5 says, who are protected by the power of God through faith. And it does not mean your, your daily faith. It means the faith that God's given you, that once and for all trusting of Christ through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. You greatly rejoice because you have security, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials. You could not rejoice if your trials could move you away from salvation. No, but we greatly rejoice because we know it's protected by God. If it's protected by God, it's okay with me. John 17, let's look there. John chapter 17, verse 11. Jesus' high priestly prayer. And he says, and he's praying to the Father, I am no more in the world, and yet they themselves are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep them in thy name, the name which thou hast given me, that they may be one even as we are one. Do you think God the Father would fail to answer the prayer of God the Son? Do you dare think that that's even a possibility? Of course not. Then he says in verse 15, Jesus said, I do not ask thee to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. In other words, while we're in the world battling, and struggling and involved in spiritual warfare, we are kept 
from the evil one ever snatching us from Christ. One final verse on this, one that maybe you've never thought of, but Matthew chapter 10. Maybe you've never thought of this in terms of the security of the believer, but Jesus has just commissioned his apostles to go out, and they are going to be afraid. They are afraid of what they're going to encounter. And the Lord wants them to know that you don't need to fear anybody. You don't need to fear others because they are limited in their power. And he says in chapter 10, verse 28, and do not fear those who kill the body. Don't, there's no reason to fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, your fear ought to, be, ought to be of me. Big deal about other people. All they can do is kill you physically. So what? I mean, that's the, when you think about it, it's the worst anyone could do. It's not that bad. Be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord. So he says, this God is for you. Others cannot do anything but kill you physically, and even then, only when God permits it. When we say that God is for us, we are saying that he will protect us. Let me illustrate this from my own life. When I was in elementary school, probably about fifth or sixth grade, there was a big kid who used to pick on me. Yes, I'm going to admit that. Yes, he used to pick on me. The kid must have been two feet taller than me. He used to pick on me. And one day, um, I had a friend who I told about this, and my friend was bigger than this fellow who picked on me. He was in junior high school. My friend's name was Gary, and I told him about my problem with my enemy. After that, I didn't have a problem. No problem anymore. And I would paraphrase this whole truth by saying, if Gary was for me, who's against me? And that really is the way it went. Nobody touched Kreloff, because he's got a big friend. See, that's what God is saying, and that's what Paul is saying. If God is for us, who's against you? What difference does it make? They can't touch you in terms of destroying your salvation. Heaven is certain because God is on our side. He's for us. He's not against us. A lot of people think he's against us, that God is some ogre up in heaven waiting to see us sin and destroy our relationship. And let me illustrate it again by this. We, Michelle and I have three children. All of them are walking now. And they all went through the process of learning how to walk. And... Uh, what if the first time our kids tried walking, I stood over them, and if they fell, I'd say, that's it, you're out of this home. You are gone, you stumbled. What a ridiculous thing to even think of. And yet there are some who think that God would do that. One sin and off to hell. You've had it. And see, we begin to categorize sins. Well, this sin's allowed, but this sin's, no, this is too much. No, you've done, no it, you're gone. Yet the Bible never says anything like that. God is for us. He's not against us. We have made every provision in our home to help our children to walk. And with some, we were very patient. God is that way. God is for us, and he protects us. Lots of books try to picture for us the unseen warfare going on around us. It's all very fascinating stuff, but it's also almost all conjecture except for the fact that there really are unseen battles going on, and we are under God's omnipotent protection. We don't quite know what it would look like if we could see it, but it sure is good to know that our loving and infinitely powerful Lord has our backs. How do we know He has our backs? Well, Pastor Steve will get to that on our next broadcast. Thanks for listening. 
Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to visit Lakeside, the address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. You can call or visit the website for directions. The phone number is 727-441-1714. And the web address is lakesidechapel.com. That's lakesidechapel.com or 727-441-1714. That's also the number to call if you'd like to ask for a free audio CD with the current sermon. Ask for message 5443, our response to security. Or to listen to individual broadcasts, go to the Message Archive page at versebyverseradio.org. Today's class and all of our previous ones are right there for you to download or stream at no charge. You can listen for free anytime you like. But if you would like to help us with the cost of producing and airing Verse by Verse, we would be grateful. We have giving information on the website, or you can call Lakeside at 727-441-1714. We can't do this without generous listeners like you, so thanks very much. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve helps show us just what an amazing thing God's grace really is. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We're here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.